0: Hey there, it's Michelle Spivey, your practical priestess of wisdom. With today's podcast, The wisdom smack. Mwah. I invite you to join me as we discover what some wine vines, survivalist men in a frozen wilderness, and Seth Golden have to do with surviving. So please take the time, put me on two X. I don't care. It- just get it get her done and listen with me as we learn how wisdom is trying to show us to be how to become great survivors trust me this is what we need to keep moving forward so i'm gonna see you on the flip Hey there, and thank you for joining me for today's podcast of Wisdom Smack. So, like I was saying in the beginning, uh in the opening, we're going to be talking about how to become a great survivor. And I'll just tell you the gen, not the genesis, but the culmination of why we're having this conversation today. Because wisdom is wonderful. I was actually taking a break and uh I like the History Channel. And now that they've started releasing some of their older episodes on YouTube, I've been finding that I am enjoying watching them. So, there is this uh, series called Alone, and they take people who like to fancy themselves as survivalists and they compete. And they compete for a lot of money. And what they do is they just drop them in these horrible places, <laughs> not horrible, but places where, mm, yeah, there's really nothing to support human life as we are familiar. And so, in this first season, I managed to watch the first two episodes and Wisdom was just pinging and I was getting smacked upside my head with so many different uh, points that I was like, wow, okay, I'm, I'm really learning a lot. And what I wanted to say was this, is that as I was watching it, at the beginning of each se- uh, session, they have a quote and, you know, I'm a, like I said, I like, uh, Uh, quotes and I I like anything that I can, you know, basically learn from. And so the first one was pretty cool because it was, you know, it was a a quote I was very familiar with and it uh, was uh, about Henry Thoreau going out into the wilderness to see if there was anything that he could learn from the lessons that the wild had to teach him. And I was like, that's pretty cool. But it was that second episode where everything that I had witnessed in the first episode started to click in the second episode. And they have this simple quote. It's it's actually elegant, eloquent uh, by Nikita Khrushchev, And it says, if you live among wolves, you have to act like a wolf. I'm going to say that one again. If you live among wolves, you have to act like a wolf. Now, I am not telling you that to become a great survivor, you have to go and act like a wolf. I am not. Uh, What I am getting at is that there are lessons all around us with regards to how this thing works. Now, on a previous episode, uh, episode, (laughs) on a previous podcast, I talked about um, learning the difference between the world and the planet and that they both have tremendous lessons for us to learn. So the world is our philosophies, uh, how things are done, societies, understandings, behaviors, uh, community, people. It's all of that stuff that we do on that higher level of communication, logic, planning, scheming, all of those things. And not even just the higher. Uh, It can be the competitive nature, the doggy dog, uh, the survivor takes, you know, all, whatever. But it is more so Us interacting with ourselves and with others, and even with entities that are organized like governments and communities and businesses and the like. But when you get to the point where you're talking about the world and you're talking about the planet, the you know, this earth that we all live on, I I suspect everybody that's listening to this is listening to it from earth, but hey, it's cool if it's not. Hi there. <laughs> okay, but anyway, let me stop being foolish. Uh, if you're talking about that, then you're talking about the biological, the mineral, the essence, the relationship between uh, man and nature, man and animal, man, and when I say man, people, humanity, and the tangibles of where we inhabit. And that is one i am I am sorely sad to say that I don't have as good of a relationship as I would like. And it was very evident as I'm watching these people out in this frozen land full of greenery, but as cold as Hades, it's wet and it's up in Vancouver and I think in the upper tip, like around Canada. And these men are shivering. They're trying to start fires with wood and they're they're showing flashbacks of how good they're able to start fires with almost anything and honey, it's just not working. And what I learned was that, yes, Thoreau was right. The wild has lessons, but are we able to learn? And I'm going to piggyback that off of what we're all In the midst of right now, and when you're dealing with a pandemic, no matter how it came to be, you're dealing with the lessons of the planet, you're building, you're dealing with the biological. And so many times, we try to bring our worldly meaning, our philosophical, our uh, our uh, psychological, um, our emotive ways to the wild, and the wild is not having it. <laughs> the wild does not care. And I can prove it really quickly. If the wild cared, then a, a pandemic would have a line of demarcation that it wouldn't cross depending on what the society thought was higher status. It wouldn't affect you. It, it If if you could show you had a good credit score rating or you had a, this kind of money or you had this kind of morality code or if you had a clean bill of health or a clean bill of um, a rap sheet where you don't have one, not even a speeding ticket, then it would stop and it would be like, you're good to go. But it doesn't care. <laughs> it it, it just not. It does not care. And so we are forced to understand the lessons that, you know, Henry Thoreau talked about, we're forced to understand that, hmm, may might be that, uh, you would do well to learn and embrace what the, the lessons of what the earth has to show us as well, because they're warranted. And when I was, like I said, watching this, um, the second edition of uh, this thing, I got nosy and I went over to the History Channel and sure enough, they have all of the ones, uh, you know, all the episodes and I don't have that kind of time to watch them right now, but I'll definitely be continuing to watch them in piecemeal uh, as they come out. But I was nosy enough to figure out who won and who came into second place. And so going back and remembering how these folks uh, behaved on the first few days because the first two episodes talk about are, are all about like the first three days of them being there. And when I go- went back and looked specifically for the first per- first place and the runner up, unlike everyone else who was busy documenting uh, how they were taking their knowledge of survival and trying to make it an- and wedge it into uh, where they were now. And none of this stuff was working. A few of them were like, I'm out of here. And they left. <laughs> and then some of them were, you know, starting to get hypothermia and all this other stuff. And they couldn't start their fires. Uh, the one who actually won, what he was doing was, is he was working with, yes, he had a great knowledge already, but he wasn't trying to force it on there. I watched how when he was, he was documenting himself, his complaint out of all the crap that was going on, his complaint was the cameras. He's like, I'm not good with technology. I'm trying to do my stuff and I have to fool with these cameras. That was his complaint. And then they, you know, panned to him and I'm, I'm glad that they gave him a little more time on the second episode because in the second episode, they show him going through his paces. And like the others, he hadn't at that particular time found his groove yet to set up a camp like he would like, but he continued to speak in a way that you knew that this man, especially if you know that he had won, you know that this man understood the relationships between the difference between what you learn in the world and what you learn from the planet, what you learn from, from Earth. And it showed him looking and um, he was like, I'm just trying to, you know, get the lay of the land. And um, he was taking his time to survey and learn. And that was the big thing that wisdom was hitting me upside my head and to learn what the land had to give. Whereas the others were so busy using their terminology and what they knew and trying to superimpose it and look for these types of grounds to fit their knowledge. He was just walking around like, okay, I'm learning. I'm taking in stock. And along the way, he hadn't eaten. Now, mind you, he said, my stomach is starting to growl. He wasn't even complaining. He hadn't eaten in two plus days in a wet wilderness of uh, temperatures in the 30s. And he was only allowed to bring 10 things with him. And so 10 items, period. So he's walking along. He his my stomach, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of growling. And he finds a slug. And he's like, oh, okay, let's see what that's giving, basically. He boils it on the, you know, in a a little uh, uh, pan top with some water, gets all the juice out of it, you know, the gooey, gooeys, whatever. And then uh, he boils it again and he tastes it. He says, "Hmm, tastes a little bit like shrimp. He says, and this is what he says, that solidified it for me. He goes on to say, I'll start picking those up as I see them. Boom, mic drop. No other Well, I shouldn't say none other, but most of the others were not thinking about allowing the land to teach you. They were trying to impose their knowledge on the land and the land was winning. So cut to one of the youngest contestants who would come in as second runner up. And as my nosy self learned, when they were offered the opportunity to come back, he would win that second time to come back. So they cut to him and in the first episode, I was like, he's, 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 he's not likable because he was howling at the wolves and all this kind of stuff and scaring some of the other contestants because he would get the wolves worked up. And, uh, but in this one, they showed where he did the same. He was like, okay, well, I need to go on and collect some water. And he had found a way to get to the beach part, uh, where, there would be a stream, you know, with some fresh water in it. So he was already using that. He had some knowledge. But this is another thing that he did as well. To become a great survivor, what he did was he was like, okay, there is this log here. And he made a sacrifice. He was like, what I'll do is because the log is rotten in the middle, uh, I'll hollow it out. And then what he did was is he took his tarp during the day instead of keeping it set up for camp, he took his tarp and he hollowed the log out and then he placed the tarp in the crevice of the hollowed out log so that he could do rain catchment and catch some of the fresh water so that it would be easier. And he was like, he says, and if I just go on and keep this here, that he said, that should get, get me a, 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 some gallons of water. And I was like, okay, I am seeing more clearly. But I will say this, I would have never, picked up on this had it not been for our daily conversations and wisdom sometimes whooping me upside my head with her wisdom smacks. And so I think I want to thank you guys for showing up as well. And thank you for letting me talk about uh, this History Channel. But we do have some stuff. So I need to stop talking and waxing poetic about that and get on to what we need to talk about. All right. So the other day I talked also about History Channel (laughs) <laughs> marvelous wonders, marvelous marvels. I think, and the wine making process. And I was so enamored with it because I don't drink wine, and I I had it all wrong. And like I said, I was um, I'm working on a book where there's uh, a vineyard in it, and uh, it, it was helping me. But the thing that I wanted to bring back as well is that the vines that the grapes grow on, especially the ones that are made for champagne, and how it says that uh, wine grapes. Flourish in the rough terrain and they flourish from this concept known as stress in that winemaking industry. And with stress, the more those vines have to struggle to thrive in those rocky, rocky uh, crevices and uh, nutrient uh, uh, lacking soils, the more it produces an intensity, complexity, color, and even structure of how the wines are produced. Learn this: that with the red grapes. Uh, now, this is not in uh, the area where champagne is made, because that's made mostly from white grapes. But um, in some of the regions where you have the red grapes, depending on how much stress, uh, it dep- it will sometimes translate into a thicker outer skin, where more of the yeast is made on the outside of the skin. And the difference between a white wine a lot of times and a red wine is that the white wine skins are removed, whereas the intensity of the red wines comes a lot from the skins. And so that high stress with those thicker skins Uh, makes for a bouquet that's uh, intense and uh, vibrant, colorful, and complex. And I was like, wow. So over and over again, I am seeing that uh, there is a repetition in what wisdom is showing us, and that is that we would do well to learn from the lessons that the wild has to, uh, you know, share with us, because so long we have been learning from the wisdom of our worlds, our philosophies, uh, our uh, logic, and logistics, and all the things of the peoples, all the things that we do, but to survive, and y'all know I had to go to my etymology, so let's get it <laughs> from the mid-15th century uh, when it's implying surviving. What survive means is to outlive, to continue in existence after the death of another. Um, in its original sense, uh, meaning of inheritance or for legal senses, it meant, and it was an Anglo-French word, a uh, surver- sur- survivor survivor. Uh, I messed that up. (laughs) But what it meant was to live beyond, live longer than, or to super, meaning above or beyond, to super live something. And so it meant to live on. And when I looked at the lessons from uh, the wine edition of the Martin Marvels uh, as well as the show alone, what they were setting up is they were setting up the premise of survivor who could outlive and continue to exist after the death or the falling away of another, who would be able to become stronger because of the stress and the struggle that the wild gave them to emerge, that would be to survive. And so with that, y'all, I'm telling you, I'm so excited. I was like, oh Lord, I hope I can contain myself as I'm talking to you. Because how to become a survivor is not about struggling to pay some bills. It's not about uh, struggling to get uh, you know, ahead of somebody else. Mm-mm. To survive, when it comes down to it, is to stop trying to be part of an organization and instead become part of the organism. Shout out to Seth Golden uh, for that. Y'all don't sleep on Seth. If you want to get some really good aha every day, uh, go check out Seth Godin's blog at seth.blog. He does them every day. He's my inspiration. When my sinuses are acting up, when my migraines are here, when I am just not feeling it, I look and sure enough, Seth is still putting out something daily. So here I am. <laughs> but what Seth talked about was, he talked about how There comes a time when you have to realize that an organization is something formed and uh, set upon by someone. It is controlled by them and it is made to be a static thing that works in a prescribed way that they want it to work. And he said, but instead of trying to fit into somebody's organization, consider that the better thing is to be a part of an organism. Now, from my biology days in undergrad, uh, I definitely learned a thing of 30 about living organisms. And with living organisms, unlike an organization where it is orderly, an organism is set about for the task of living and consistently changing where it it adapts to its environment. It changes to where cells develop, some die, and are replaced but its modus operandi is to survive it adapts to the current environment or it dies and because of that when you're thinking about pandemics and you're thinking about well how did people make it when these happened before what did they do a lot of times they learned to survive meaning they learned to adapt go back to our two guys from that show alone and unlike the others who were trying to force the wilderness to become ordered based on their plans that they had. One guy even said, he said, this is not working out how I planned. <laughs> he said, I thought I was going to be able to be here for the long haul. He says, I think I'm about to call it in. So, you know, and go home. He says, it's just not worth it. But The two guys that would prove to be the ones who could outlast everyone were quickly adapting and not trying to force their will on something. Instead, they were becoming part of the ecological system. And so, guess what? When you want to become a great survivor, no, you don't have to go out to the coast of uh, Vancouver and freeze and get hypothermia and almost die and lose your mind. No. Understand that you are already in an organism and it's called our culture. Going back to my biology days, that's what they actually called an organism on a Petri dish, a culture, because a culture is an assemblage of cells that work together to achieve something. And understanding that a culture is an organism means that you have to understand that things change. Let me say that again. Y'all, things change. You have to move with the culture or get left behind and die. You cannot fight or box with the wind. You cannot shout to the pandemic and say, leave, burn. (laughs) Let me stop making fun of that man. (laughs) But, (laughs) you know, I blow you away. You can't do that. That is just hubris. You cannot uh, do that. Instead, and I'm not trying to say that you are able to bribe the pandemic. No. But instead of trying to eradicate things that have proven to be better at surviving than you, you need to... Because what will happen is, is you'll end up using your energy and they'll overtake you anyway. So instead of that, learn to adapt and coexist. Learn to do things that make you adaptable and thus stronger so that you do survive, meaning to outlive, to continue in existence, to supersede beyond, to change. Because that's really what survival is. Survival is synonymous with with change because you have to become a different person to outlive whatever is facing you, okay? So one of the things that I'm learning with regards to survival in our society as a culture is this concept of being right or following your truth, the other day I, I talked about inspired by um naval uh how naval was talking about there is a vast difference between individual or personal truth and societal co uh consensus and in uh in in uh a nod to that i wrote down something um that i think is apropos for talking about how to become this great survivor and that is uh Oscar Wilde, I've got a few sayings from Oscar Wilde and Voltaire, but Oscar Wilde says, nothing is so dangerous as being too modern. One is apt to grow old-fashioned quite suddenly. Now, when he talks about being too modern, what he is talking about in the sense of the context that he was writing it, he was trying to talk about someone who was always trying to seek a way to kind of control their environment, to be the avant-garde, to be the one who is, you know, always, um, establishing or aka organizing what people what people do. Because he said you're apt to grow old-fashioned quite quickly. And the reason behind that is what Oscar Wilde was saying in this regard as I'm interpreting it, is that be careful that you don't get into your own habit and thus you can't move with the times. And then let me talk about Voltaire real quick. He said, when he was talking about the courage to be right and the courage to challenge practices that are uh, proving um, to be old-fashioned and going by the wayside, he says it's dangerous to be in the right in matters where establishment are wrong. And what he was saying was, is a lot of people put more reputation and credence on what is organized, what is standardized, and what is conservative than what is new now, and next. And it's not even the what is new, now, or next. It is what is, now get this, what is flexible, what is changeable, and what is eternal. And that is where the wisdom started to really come in. It came in in that what we do is we work very hard on having the best experience that we can in this life. But in this life, you will have challenges. And in this life, there will be struggle, stress, strain, and you will want to give in, the, give up and give in the towel many times. But To be practical about this, to become a great survivor, is to first and foremost understand when you're shifting too much to one side, where you're only dealing with the wisdom of the world, in quotes, as opposed to, like Thoreau saying, get away to the wilderness to see if you can learn the lessons that the wild has to teach you. We have to be able to understand that in life, there are pendulums. We talk about these these pendulums. We talk about polarities and all of that. And what I do want to say right now, because I don't want you to think that this is easy. I want you to understand that it takes tremendous force of will and skill to stay as close to the middle of things as possible, to be able to have a 360 degree understanding of what do I pull from the world and what do I learn From the planet at any given time? How do I understand how to keep moving and changing, but yet still understanding what is essential, what is eternal, what is foundational? And to do that, I would encourage us all to grasp what wisdom is showing us. For one, wisdom says that some of the skills that you need to have is you need to have an ability to have a thoughtful point of view, meaning that you reflect. You show respect, meaning to go back and review with a new perspective. That's what respect means. Go back and 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 really study it. You meditate on some things and you are open to receive the lessons that those things are showing you. Of course, develop a tether to wisdom. Because out of that tether to wisdom, and wisdom has nothing to do with smarts. Cornel West is famous for saying, uh, "Let your, your let your phone be smart, but you be wise." Because wisdom will produce smarts when it needs it, but wisdom will also produce the ability to know when to go, when to go slow, and when to stop. And because of this, one of the biggest tools that we can have as learning to become great survivors is to develop through the art of the tether of wisdom, how to be discerning and how to show good judgment. Because discernment, when I talked about, and please go check that out if you haven't, I have great feedback from that particular podcast of uh, things only the wealthy recognize. When we, in that podcast, we talked about how the wise, I mean, the, we- the wealthy, wealthy wise, if you want to, they are not duped by illusions, by trickery and by fakery. They are not. And it is because of these characteristics of wisdom that they start to imbue and operate in that they're able to pierce the veil, to see uh, what is really there on all, on, not all, but as many levels as possible so that then when they make their judgment, their decision, their choice, they make good ones. They, are, they, they don't rush in where fool, uh, where they don't rush in like fools where angels did to tread. tread. And let me just reframe that for you a little bit. When they talk about that where angels did to tre- tread, think of it as an angle a perspective. If you have different angles of looking at things, aka angels, you'll see things that fools only don't see because they're so busy looking at it head on with the low-hanging fruit. And when you see the angles and you see the gotchus and the traps and the, the boobies and um, all of the booby traps and all of those things, you will not tread. So, if you can think of it that way, instead of it just being some colloquialism of something that you might reject because you don't believe in certain things, think of it that way. And so, as my time is really coming to a close, real fast, let me go back through this because I want to make sure that I make sure that you grasp this because this is very powerful. So, I spent half my time talking about what I learned from watching those shows on the History Channel, whether it was the wine, grapes, and vines, or if it was the people surviving on that show alone, and why the number, the first place and the second place were won by people who were clearly showing an inherent understanding of melding the worlds of what they know through uh, observation of people and their philosophies and psychologies of thought, and what the wild the planet, the biological could teach them. And they quickly embraced a characteristic of an adaptation of learning to work with what you got, learning to play the hands that are dealt to you. And then we talked about how Oscar Wilde even said, don't try to get too modern because even in that you become old fashioned because you're still trying to control stuff. And then we talked about how Voltaire said it's dangerous to be in the right uh, when uh, established men are in the wrong because people try to make you conform to the consensus. And it takes a certain amount of uh, courage to be a survivor, to move along. But the biggest thing was that we learned that from self, Seth Golden, instead of trying to be part of an organization of order, we need to be part of the ever-changing organism that is a living being consistently, continuously changing, where it is adapting so that it survives. So with that, guess what, y'all? My time is up. I thank you for yours. This has been Michelle Spivey, your Practical Priestess of Wisdom with another podcast of Wisdom Smack. Don't forget, like, subscribe, and share. And thank you so much to those people who have been sending me keep, you know, the keep businesses going uh, contributions to my Venmo, PayPal, and my Cash App. Thank you. Bye.